we're gonna back it up today boss chicks today we are back 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 mm. it up flip it and reverse mm. it beep beep two two <laughs> to episode two the beginning the first episode Ken- Cass and I started to try and be professional <sighs> You know, it's a really controversial episode. I've heard some really good things, some really great feedback. Um, A lot of people, you know, were wondering maybe if we were the most qualified Mm -hmm. candidates to discuss what every single company is looking for in an interview. (laughs) And I get that. If you, you know, I get If you that. guys don't know what we're talking about, we're talking about episode two, The Bosses Will See You Now, where Cass and I discuss our interview experience. I thought we had some good points. And you know what? We told our severe stories. And that's all we can offer is severe stories. And you know what? We had a really good episode title. And I think that has to outweigh any bad advice we gave. <laughs> exactly. It's in our song. So, I mean, there you go. Yeah, it's fine. But today, we kind of want to do, you know, it only took us like six months. But we want to do like a 2.0 <laughs> to the bosses we'll see you now because we actually have a boss career queen if you will on the podcast today yeah we have cassie ademola who actually is a career coach a resume coach an interview coach she offers services to her clients to help them land that next position she has templates for resumes she is legit she has what she has over 10 12 years of experience in hr she works at Amazon. If she can get, she has like three different positions in Amazon, which is like 10 interviews a piece. Like, you know that she has the qualifications to actually give this advice. Totally. I learned so much. And we talked about resumes, job interviews, LinkedIn, social media. So before we put our, you know, our usual tunes, our usual music, this episode, it has a little bit more meaning. The bosses will see you now. We're actually not talking about Ken and Cass. We are talking about Cassie. The, the bosses will not see you now, but the actual boss will. Cassie will see you now. Let's go. The bosses will see you now. So, so we're so excited to have you. Um, as we do with like all of our interviews, we just get our guests to kind of do a brief intro of what they do, who they are, where they're from, and then we kind of get the conversation going from there. So could you please just give a brief introduction of who you are? Sure. Um, so my name is Cassie Ademola. Um, I'm a human resources professional. I've been in human resources for about 13 years now. So I've had a really good progressive career in HR. I've done so many different industries from sports and entertainment to amusement park industry. Um, I've done operations, event planning, and right now I work with Amazon. I'm the human resources business partner there. And then I actually just got a job offer two days ago to work with AWS, um, which is a tech side of Amazon. So I'll be leaving Dallas and moving to Seattle to work in the corporate office. So I'm excited about that. So it's been amazing. But in addition to that, um, last year, I created my professional agenda. So that is my personal and first business, successful business venture that I've had, where we create a, um, where we create a safe space for new and experienced professionals to polish their overall package. Um, so that's like their resumes, their LinkedIn pages, cover letters, interview preparation, whatever it takes for them to be competitive in the job market, that's what we help them do. Um, but outside of that, I am a New Yorker. I am a New Yorker at heart. I love sweater weather, um, but I'm currently living in Dallas, taking in what I can before I, you know, move to Seattle. So that's a little bit about me. And oh, my background is I'm Nigerian. So my family's from Nigerian, so I'm first-gen American. 
And I just love the best of both worlds. Yeah. So. Well, first of all, congratulations on the new job. That's incredible. Yes, thank you. I had to go through like five different interviews, even though I was an internal transfer. So are the interviews like different topics per stage or are they kind of the same general questions with different people? Well, when it comes to Amazon, they have their own leadership principles. They have 14 leadership principles. So basically their mission and their culture and what they live and breathe day to day. Uh, so to keep it consistent with what they want in the organization, they ask interview questions around those leadership principles, which is like their core values and things of that nature. So it really depends on the position and what they want you to bring forth in that position. So if they need you to have strengths in leadership or if they need you to have strengths in um, having a bias for action and quick thinking, they'll pick that leadership principle. Are any of the interviews that you've done with them like behavioral or situation? Like, are they, do they ever make you kind of like a role play? Like I've had interviews where you have to kind of like. <laughs> they, they do a little deeper than that. They, it's kind of like role play. It's like a combination of everything. Yeah. By the STAR method, which is what a lot of people use or want to use when it comes to interviewing. So the STAR method, it positions you to answer the questions with results. So you can't give a bland answer. You can't give a general answer. It has to be specific. So um, the S, it stands for situation. So when you're interviewing, you have to explain the situation. Then the T stands for task. So what were the tasks that you had to do in that situation? And then the A stands for action, which is what action did you specifically take? So I think a lot of times when people are answering these interview questions, they talk about what everybody else did, but they really want to know how you contributed to that situation. And then they want to know the results. So what was the results? Did it affect the company um, with a positive impact? Did it change like the cost that came to the bottom line? And they want to see, they want to hear the numbers. Did it move the needle by 20%? Did you add 50% to the bottom line? So it's like definitely behavioral questions that have to have specific answers so they can see if you're better than everybody else in the organization. So it's a lot. It's deep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was just going to say, okay, so we're going to talk about interviews, obviously, get some knowledge. But I think like for you, like you obviously have a lot of experience coming into these interviews with Amazon. It would be different for someone and they probably wouldn't be like interviewing for a job at Amazon, but different for someone starting um, the interview process where maybe they don't have that like 13 years of professional experience to like go off of, right? So with that, um, what Amazon is really good at, and I think a lot of companies are good at, is hiring people fresh out of college. Oh, okay. So the manager and training programs, like if you were to go on a job board and put in manager and training, you'll see that there's organizations like Microsoft and Amazon that hire people fresh out of college. You might not have all the experience, but as long as you can come to the interview with like confidence, and you can use examples from like projects you did in school or if you had like a leadership position in some of these um, programs and clubs that you have on your campus, then you'll be completely fine. Yeah, so you obviously have like a lot of people with your it's the professional agenda. That's the independent kind of business consulting that you do. So you probably have a lot of people from many different industries that come to you and do they, you kind of get them to go through the whole process with them. So like building their LinkedIn, building their resume, getting them the job interview and then coaching them through the job interview. Exactly. So it depends on what, like some people, depends on where they are in their career story or in their career journey. So I give them the option. Some people just want to do their resume because they feel like they have amazing interview skills. Some people want their resume and LinkedIn because they feel like they haven't touched their LinkedIn at all, or they feel like their resume is just not as competitive. So they want that total package. It depends on where they are. And I just 
you know, want them to pick what they feel they need help in. So if we said somebody picked like resume Mm -hmm. as their first thing that they wanted to go into, what I see a lot of these like resumes that are super fancy and colorful and like one page and have pictures. Is that a standard? Like, should we be doing fancier resumes or are like the traditional black and white, just line by line ones the best? What do you kind of do in terms of layout? It has to be applicant tracking system friendly. Okay. So for those who don't know what the ATS system is, 95% of Fortune 500 companies use this applicant tracking system so they don't have to shift through 10,000 resumes. And there's a lot of talented people who are now in the job market. I mean, can you imagine when a recruiter at Amazon posts a position and they, get, um, they can't look through all 10,000? So this robot, the applicant tracking system, which I sometimes call the applicant trashing system because it kind of... It- <laughs> resume away or put it in the black hole if it's like the right keywords that the recruiter designed the applicant tracking system to have to pick up your resume but it goes through the robot and it goes through the human for me like i think a lot of people like to go on canva and get the resumes off of canva and you know they have it so well structured and it's colorful and it has the picture but that will not make it through the applicant tracking system at all it will it'll go to the black hole so it would immediately get like rejected if it goes through that I need to go edit my resume. <laughs> my resume is pretty black and white, like fit on one page, and it just has my name like in big writing at the top. Though, is that like is the one page rule more likely to get through that, or is do you know what I mean? Because some people say if your if your resume is two pages, it's too long, they won't read it. Like okay, so the two page one page thing is more so for the human eyes. So the robot will take a well formatted resume. Even if it's five pages, it'll go through the robot if it has the right keywords, if it's formatted well. But now, once it gets through there, it has to go through the hiring manager or the recruiter, which is a position I've had before um, on the other end. So if you made it through, if I see a resume that has grammatical errors and things of that nature, then I put in the note. Yeah. But your name being on top, if it's in the header, so you know how Microsoft Word gives you the option to have a header and a footer. If your name or contact information is in the header, then it might not make it through the applicant tracking oh. system. So I would take it out of the header and just fix your margins. One of my favorite margins on Microsoft Word is narrow because it allows you to use as much real estate on the page as possible. So um, I think that's 0.5 left, right, bottom, top. And you put it in the header. Now, as far as pages, right, it definitely depends on how many years of experience you have and if it's good content. Like if your content is king and you have an extensive amount of experience and you're good to go to the second page. I think a lot of people are afraid to go to the second page, but I mean, if you can keep the interest of the hiring manager or recruiter, then it can be second page. Mm-hmm. I mean, two pages. Yeah. Sure. So these keywords that you're talking about, how do you find the keywords specific to the industry that you're looking in? So if you're looking for a job like in IT or something, would you go to the job that you're looking to apply for and look at their job description, what they're looking for, and put those in your resume? Is that what you mean by keywords? For sure. So what you can do is especially, like the job search is a whole strategy. And one of the strategies is definitely looking at as many job descriptions that fit the industry you want to be in and the position that you're looking for. So typically what we tell people is pull at least 10 job descriptions. It might sound like a lot of work, but it'll be beneficial for you at the end but um you know pull those 15 job descriptions see what words come up the most like what soft skills and hard skills come up the most um, most of the times 
we tell people to take those 10 to 15 job descriptions and put them in a word cloud. So if you Google a word cloud and then paste all 15 of those job descriptions, the word cloud would put together the top 10 words that come up the most. And those are the words that you'll put on your resume. And would you mostly use the keywords in like the description of the work that you've done, like underneath like a label, like I've done, I'm a portfolio analyst, and then you put your keywords within that description, is that where? You can put it there, that's one way to do it. Um, but there's a keyword section on your resume that you can call highlight of skills. So it's like 12 to 15 um, skills that you put in a section. So, um, you know, some people have the two column resume and in one section, it's like, these are all my technical skills and a highlight of my skills. So you take those keywords and put it there. Or if you have like a one pager, um, you'll have your contact information, you have your professional summary, which is about two to three pages. And then you go into a section called your um, area of expertise or, or highlight of skills. And it's just like a few bullet points of your uh, hard skills and soft skills and you'll put it in there. Something I was going to ask you about was like your prof like a bio. Do you find that you should have like a couple sentences just about who you are, what you do, what you're looking for on your resume or should you just have your experience? Well, it depends. Like I really love a good professional summary because it allows you to position yourself as how you want to be seen for the recruiters and then it allows you to show your value and what you're looking for next and what you can bring to the company. It's like you're creating a whole brand story for yourself. Um, and, and as you know, or you might not know, like a lot of recruiters really spend like 20 seconds on a resume. Um, they do not give it, like they have so many to look through, like they just wanna make sure that it's well-structured and easy for them to read. So the eyes kind of go like in a Z shape, like left to right, left to right. And the first half of your resume is what's really important, um, you know, for them to see if you're a great candidate or not. Um, and if it's worded well, if you have the right information in there, like a combination of your soft and hard skills, what type of industries you worked for, um, maybe one achievement that you've done that kind of highlights your whole entire career, how you work with teams, cross-functional teams, how you collaborate with leaders, all of that can go into that professional summary to give um, the recruit a snapshot of your career. And another thing that really goes in there, which is really important, is how many years of experience you have. So like performance-driven HR professional with 10 years of experience doing this, this, this within the sports and entertainment industry. So. And the cover letter would be different than that, though. It would be like a more of like a full page, kind of more of why you want this specific position and why you're a good fit for that. Yes, definitely. So a cover letter, I think a lot of people underestimate a cover letter. They feel like they not need it. But like the applicant tracking system, which I mentioned before, some of them require you to have one. And it just puts you a step ahead of the competition because you took the opportunity to put together this document that, again, shows your whole career story and why you're interested in the job. What's your take on just like automatically putting references on a resume if it's maybe not, don't do it? It's a no for okay. me. <laughs> it's a no. It can be its own separate document. That's what I give to my clients too. Like at the end of the service, I give them another template that they can put their references on. Because if you have it on the resume, I mean, the references are if you pass the hiring process. If you have it on your resume, you haven't passed the, the hiring process yet. We may not even need that information if you're not qualified for the job. And instead of having your references on your resume, you can put more content 
Typically, I give my clients a separate document and they can put their references on there. So when they go through the hiring process and they actually ask for it, then you'll have it on this nice detailed document and send it as its own uh, informational document for the hiring managers to, to use. So if you're someone who is fresh out of college, a good resume is, of course, to have your contact information. You may put... Um, you don't have to put your full address any, anymore. I think a lot of people are starting to get that now because you don't want me to come to your house. It's not, it's not <laughs> LinkedIn link. Um, and then you'll have a heading. So just like a book has a title, a resume has to have a title as well. Right underneath your contact information, say if I'm a new HR professional, I'll put in like big words, um, aspiring human resources professional because then that's a keyword that the applicant tracking system can pick up. And after that is a professional summary Right after that is the keyword section, like the core competencies, highlight of skills, which is like about maybe 12 to 15 words that are soft and hard skills. And then it's your professional experience. So you can name it professional experience, work history. It can be named whatever you want it to be named. Um, but as long as it's in this format, then that's what's going to be really good. The um, I know a lot of times people have a section called projects. So if you're entry level professional and you've done projects, you can have a project section on your resume where you can, you know, talk about the situation and the outcome, who was involved, what departments you work with to get this project completed and things of that nature. Um, you can have an award section. So if you, again, are a new social media strategist or trying to aspire to get that position, if you wanted a competition within your school on like the number one marketing student or something like that, you would want to put that on your resume as well. Um, and then there's the education piece. So that's, I forgot that part. Um, I, I graduated so long ago. Mm -hmm. But if you are new, like fresh out of college, the education piece can go right after the skills section where it's on the top of the resume. And then you highlight, of course, your concentration and your major. So again, if you're the aspiring marketing person, you can put the education on the top and show that's what you've had your education in. Um, and that's another keyword that will attract the recruiter's eyes. But if you're someone who graduated like five years ago, six years ago, then that will go after the professional experience. No, that was so helpful. I feel like you kind of just mentally went through my entire resume and I was just like mentally thinking, I was okay, so I have to move that education thing over here. I do have a project and award section, so that has to be, like that was actually very helpful. I'm going to go fix my resume after I uh, get off the phone here. So when you, you look at someone's resume and then do you, if you do you not go to their LinkedIn page unless you like their resume or do you go to their LinkedIn page before you look at their resume? Like what? That's a good question. I don't think anybody has asked me that. <laughs> That's a hard question. <laughs> I'm super nosy and I definitely want to make sure before I give your resume to the hiring manager that you are the total package. And um, I, I might not be able to really see that until you come into the interview, but if you have good marketing tools, which is your resume and the LinkedIn page, then I can have some credibility when I go to the hiring manager and I say, hey, this is a great candidate. So when I get a resume and I feel like, okay, this person is amazing, whether their resume is like 100% completed or not, or if their resume knocked me out the park, I still go to their LinkedIn. Every single candidate, I go to their LinkedIn page to see if there's more information I can find to see if they fit into our company culture. So if you're someone who's on there, then I know that you are serious about your career journey. 
Now, if they don't come up, then I, I'm a little suspicious. If they do come up, but they don't have it fully optimized 100%, then it's like, okay, I mean, there's not much more I can find out about this candidate. Or um, they don't really, you know, use it too much. It doesn't really disqualify them, but it's just like a little suspicion that takes place. But I definitely, like, I definitely go from the resume to the LinkedIn page instantly. Okay, I have a question about LinkedIn because in university I took a course and they did a section on like how to optimize your LinkedIn and like they told us to write your LinkedIn bio in the third person and yeah. it's just first person and some people do it, some people don't, some people are like that's so cringe, why would you do it in that? But I just, what is the, is there a right or wrong way? To so like third person is as if somebody else was writing it for you, right? Mm -hmm. Like you would be like Cassie is graduate of this place. You're right. Right? That is because it's your it's your profile okay. like, yeah you want people to know who you are and you don't want them to read it through a third person like you want to just be able to tell your story yourself so mine is in first person yeah. my resume is so structured in third person and just a list of all my accomplishments that I want them a different feeling when they go to my LinkedIn page I want them to connect with me a little bit deeper than what my cover letter and resume has shown them and that's what the opportunity of LinkedIn allows you to do. So um, on Clubhouse, when it first came, you know, so popular, Dan Roth, he's the editor-in-chief of LinkedIn, he came on for about 45 minutes to talk about the benefits of being yourself on LinkedIn. So he mentioned that, you know, I think a lot of people think LinkedIn is like this scary monster, and he made it an important note that, you know, the algorithms of LinkedIn supports effective communication between people. Um, so being able to highlight your skills outside of your job, which LinkedIn allows you to do in that About Me section, is what's going to really position you as um, a competitive person in the job market or in your field. Yeah, I mean, I did it to get the A in the class, but then I changed it after I graduated to first person because I just felt weird. It felt like too formal for like the person that I am. And people are being so much more authentic mm -hmm. on LinkedIn. So, okay, I, I, while we're kind of on the topic of um, LinkedIn and social media, do you do deep dives of Facebook, Instagram, um, that kind of thing for all of your people? I'm super nosy. Yeah. 100%. But... Um, I, don't, I don't do Instagram. Oh. I don't have that type of time yet. But I, I used to do definitely LinkedIn. You know, if I had a little bit more time on my hands, I would go to the Facebook mm -hmm. just to see. Now, Facebook, I mean, it's your professional life. I mean, it's not your professional, it's your family time, your personal life and things of that nature. Um, so people who really, really want to find a good candidate and see if they're a good fit will go that extra mile and go on your Facebook page. So one of the things that I tell my clients during our journey of me fixing their resume is to do an audit on their entire social media platform. Delete those comments from 10 years ago that weren't who you were back then. You're holding a beer in your hand from the club and you really want this executive position and you know recruiters are now taking that deep dive and just delete it. It's not gonna serve, like whatever doesn't serve you anymore at this point in your life, just get rid of it. Because some recruiters are going to the Facebook, some are going to the Instagram, um, but 100% of them are going to LinkedIn. Mm. 
No, I think that's a really good point and definitely something anyone can listen to is just kind of going through and doing a clean of... You forget what, you know, someone tagged you and you commented on 10 years ago in high school and then you're kind of like, all it takes is one person to interpret that the wrong way. I think we've talked about that, Cass and I, too, is like, you might not mean it in a certain way, but this person doesn't know your personality and that's their initial interpretation of you and it could be skewed and incorrect, but they also could be the reason why they don't call you back on a job, right? Wow. I love that you said, like, get rid of anything that doesn't serve you. I feel like that's just, like, the motto in life in general, not just, like, social media. Right. In real life, like, if that friend doesn't serve you, goodbye. Be in an open relationship with your job if it no longer serves you one that's going to fit your career journey so no, exactly so just kind of going back to resumes and linkedin are there things that you should not ever put on your resume or never post on linkedin what are your do nots yeah. i would never put a picture anymore of course that that doesn't look at the applicant tracking system pronouns not right i mean i see a lot of professional summaries that are still in first person like i am the solution oriented person I do like taking the pronouns out of your resume is really really important and the word responsible for gotta be a little bit more creative than that so it's responsible for you can use manage you can use spearheaded you can use devised you can use develop but just finding a stronger action verb besides responsible for is gonna help you out a lot one thing you shouldn't do either is cut and paste your, your job description on your resume um, or cut and paste the job ad on your resume. You want to actually show achievement. So you know the STAR method that I mentioned uh, before this conversation took place? Situation, task, action, and result. That's how you kind of want to position your bullet points on your resume as well. Um, so that they can get a snapshot of your achievements on your resume. Um, there are a lot of things that you need to do outside of what you don't want to do. So what you don't want to do is not have a fully optimized LinkedIn page. You want it at a hundred percent, which is the all-star level. So the all-star level means that you have taken every section of the LinkedIn page and filled it out to a hundred percent. And those people are 40 times more likely to have a recruiter end up in their inbox if they do that. You know, recruiters these days... They are passively looking for candidates to fill their candidate pool. So if you have your LinkedIn fully optimized, then, um, you know, you're in a great position to have a recruiter, you know, be in your DMs. So uh, another thing you really want to do is just position yourself as an authority in your field. Taking advantage of all the spaces that LinkedIn gives you to have you showcase that. So your header, your about me section, there's a skills and endorsement section at the bottom of LinkedIn. It gives you the opportunity to put 50 skills. Do all 50. When recruiters are searching for candidates, they go into the search box and they put in all different types of skills they're looking for. So if you use all 50, hopefully one of those are what the recruiter is looking for so they can end up in your DMs as well. Is the summary that you write about yourself on your LinkedIn, is should it be kind of short and sweet? Like, you know what I mean? Like, I think when I first tried to write my that, I was like, oh my God, this turned into like a short novel about myself. Like, should it be more like short and sweet? This is my main education. This is the career that I'm looking in. This is maybe something that I did that like is like maybe bring up the podcast, mention that something that's outside of the profession, super professional realm of my career, like more of a side project. Well, you can put as much information as that about me section allows you to put as long as it's 
interesting <laughs> and doesn't have the right amount of white space between each paragraph and each sentence. So I've seen a lot of like about me sections where it's just one big paragraph. But if you separate it, like every three sentences, you have a space. Every three sentences, you have a space. You have bullet points. It's just not like a regular essay looking about me uh, section. So for me, when I work with my clients, um, I do make some words bold. I do put like about two paragraphs or three paragraphs, no longer than two sentences each. Then I have a, a achievement section of just maybe three bullet points. And then I put their skills at the bottom. It gives the recruiter a lot more to work with. And it's not just uh, their professional experiences, their personal things as well. So I combine their personal and professional goals together and then make that about, put that in their about me section. Like what they, what their favorite quote is or what they like to do outside of work that still relates to the job. No, I think that's so useful, especially to kind of more recent graduates who may be not really sure how to enter the job market. I think having that advice on how to optimize LinkedIn is so useful. And there's going to be a lot of recent graduates soon, like in Canada, our semester ends in the end of April. So um, what are some like realities of the job market that maybe new grads need to be aware of, like how many interviews they'll end up having to do or jobs you have to actually apply for before you get one? What are some of those realities they should be aware of? The reality that they need to be aware of before entering to the job market is not just applying blindly because you're fresh out of college and you need a job. I think it's important for you to be really clear on what you want to do. I mean, to be honest with you, I know there's a lot of people that just pick a major in college because they have to, but it might not align with what they really want to do in real life. And even when they graduate, they still don't have an idea of what they want to do when they grow up, even though they just spent two, three, four years taking all these classes. So still being very clear on what you want to do when you graduate, understanding the position you want to have and the industry that you want to get into. Even if you have to make a list of what those um, positions and industries are and then tying your strengths to those things. The reality is it does take some time to, to get a position. If you haven't networked properly while you're in college, you didn't take advantage of like your career counselors or guidance counselors, or you didn't connect with, um, I don't know if, you know if there was dorms out there and there was a dean of the dorms or things of that nature. If you haven't taken the time to network before graduating, um, you know it might be a little bit more difficult to land that job or if you didn't have any internships. So definitely um, being able to understand that it can take three months for you to find a job or maybe more um, if you don't have a career, like a job search strategy. Um, also, there's, you're going to go on interviews. And when you go on, on interviews, you're not the only person interviewing. There's a lot of people interviewing. So you have to come prepared for that interview, especially if you already got the clarity piece down, you know what industry you want to work in. After your resume goes through the applicant tracking system, the hiring manager calls you. Um, you have to interview confidently. You have to showcase leadership skills. You have to showcase what you do naturally and that you are passionate about going into this position because you may be up against people who have experience. Um, but there's times where I've hired people fresh out of college because I saw the enthusiasm they have for the position. So for example, I've hired, um, when I used to work with the Mavericks um, in the sports and entertainment industry, in basketball, uh, we needed an HR assistant. So many people applied. So many people applied, but the person 
that I hired had three months of experience and she came prepared in the interview. And what she had in the interview really knocked me out of the park. So she came with a folder, right? And in her folder, she already had her recommendations there from professors and people she has worked with on some really good paper. Not like some, you know, when you have in the copy machine, she had three recommendations already available. She had a cover letter printed. She had her resume printed. She had some awards that she's received all in this folder um, that she already had prepared. So um, taking the extra step to have that portfolio, that professional portfolio ready at the interview and bringing it out at the right time. So she didn't throw it at me at the beginning of the interview. Um, once we were done with the interview, um, you know, she was like, and here's a little bit more about me, um, just in case you wanted to read or if, you, if I'm still a fit for the position. And I was, I was like, oh my gosh, my desk was full of all this information that she already mm -hmm. had prepared. Um, so that's one thing I think that new grad is show that enthusiasm, demonstrate those leadership skills and have a professional portfolio ready with recommendations, awards, certificates. Um, if you were a part of any honorary programs, having someone from that program write what the program was about and what skills you developed in that program, it was just it was just over the top. And people who had like five years experience, 10 years experience, I didn't hire them, I hired her because she was ready to be this age are professional just beyond like having like the documents there and having your experience how much should you prepare about like information about the company what are some key things you should know about the company before the interview um i would definitely know of course their mission statement their value statement their beliefs like go on the website look at what um is important to them if they have a corporate social responsibility, whatever they're doing for the community, um, I would research that as well. Um, a lot of companies have um, a page of who the leaders are into the organization. Look at that, go on their LinkedIn page and look at their career story as well and how they got into that um, position. See if there's anything you have in common with the people you're gonna be interviewing. That's a, a great way to be likable during an interview. If you guys both were part of a, a sorority or fraternity, or if you guys were both part of an honorary program, um, those are some things you can bring up as small talk during the interview. Um, so definitely doing your research, how long the company has been around, if there are any competitors for that company, what is the competition, if there's any pain points for that company. For example, there's a lot of companies that are still um, trying to have a diversity, equity, and inclusion um, program within their company. So if you see that that company has not had that yet, understanding that pain point and bringing it up during the interview is a great way to show that you've done a deep dive within the organization before the interview. Yeah, no, that's a super good point. I think like, so you obviously want to see as much confidence as possible in an interview, right? But is there ever like too much confidence where you're like, this person has no experience, they're just arrogant you know what I mean like it's or is it good to you know I think it's hard for new grads to go in and be super confident how do you strike that balance of like confidence I'm passionate about what I want to do and like I truly have no experience I'm kind of just spewing bs at this point I think a lot of people have a hard time bragging about themselves humble and then there's the arrogant there's some arrogant people that we didn't hire because we don't have that type of time to put somebody like Scott who's arrogant in the department where we already have, you know, people we've been working with for years and then we just have this new candidate come in and just 
are is arrogant about their work and then that can destroy the morale of the company within the department. Um, so if you're fresh out of college, just learn how to humbly brag about yourself. And that involves just listing facts and at the same time giving credit where credit is due. So yes, maybe you've spearheaded a program, but talk about you know how the other people within that project helped you along the way or helped you get there or how they contributed to the results of the project. So when you are doing the humble brag, give other people credit along the way and list facts. Like Don't be super bland. Like, yeah, I know I can do the job. I just know it. That's just something I can do. List the facts of what you've done. So everyone always talks about like the most one of the most important parts of the interview is the questions that you ask the interviewer um so that's probably is that something you look for the questions that they ask and if they're not just like generic questions like what what are good questions to ask then at the end of an interview you want to make sure you ask questions i've done a lot of mock interviews so when i do mock interviews with my clients i actually we, we come on video like this i ask them to dress up as if it's a real interview and it's a whole dramatization as if I'm the HR director hiring you for the position. So at the end, I'm like, all right, so do you have any questions for me? When they say no, my heart drops because I know for a fact when people don't have any questions to ask at the end, they will not be moved on to the next interviews. So it's important to have at least three to four good ones, like good ones, not like super generic ones like you mentioned before, um, but just having good ones. So some of, some of my favorite interviews to ask, I mean, questions to ask at the end involve, um, where do you see, are there any skills that are required for this job that I haven't mentioned during the interview? That is a really good one because at least it allows you to, um, you know, recoup from the interview. So say, for example, they ask you a question and you weren't able to demonstrate that skill or um, you know, they didn't, they weren't really interested in the interview. You can tell like it's not going well, but you ask that question and you're able to just recuperate the whole entire interview by saying, oh, okay, if that's a skill that was not mentioned, well, this is what I've done to demonstrate that skill. And you're able to, you know, recoup the entire interview. Um, another good one is what is the expectations of this position? within the next 30 days. Like, what would you like to see achieved with this position within the... Now they may say, well, the goal for this position is for this, this, and that to happen within the next 60 days. These are the expectations. Um, and then you use that information um, to either polish those areas before you're hired, or I love sending out thank you emails after interview. So what they mention as for what they expect you to complete within the next 60 days is what you put in the thank you email. Like, thank you so much for taking the opportunity to meet with me. I am confident that I can do one, two, three, and four of the things that you've mentioned as far as expectations in this role. Those were very helpful. I've always been like, why? Okay, I need to like plan questions to ask at the end of an interview. And I'm always like, what do I ask besides? I'm always just like, what's the culture like? But like, I was like, I need yeah. more of a deep dive. <laughs> and those are really proactive questions, I feel like, looking into the future of like, if you get that position. And also that question about... Um, what are skills that maybe I haven't touched upon that you're looking for? Like, that's a way to kind of, like, save your butt a little bit, too, and turn the interview back around in a certain way if you maybe thought you were hitting the mark, but maybe you weren't. Like, that's that's a really beneficial question. Yeah. I've asked that when I started my Amazon interviews to the recruiter, and he was like, oh, well, I didn't expect to yeah. hear that. Because sometimes I think people who interview, especially if you're 
uh, executive leader. You don't want to give answers that are very entry level. Um, so that was one thing he mentioned. He said, your answers were not entry level. They did sound like you were a leader in your field. So that's great. Yeah. Love that question. So what about like greatest weakness and greatest strength questions? Like what do you hate to hear <laughs> answers? So I feel like there's some bad ones. <laughs> I hate to hear a weakness that you're not working on. Like if you, if you say, yeah, I'm really bad at being an effective communicator and I'm still bad at it. I'm still trying to figure out how to be better. That's the ones that I don't want to hear. I want to hear that you do, like you did have a weakness and these are the things you are doing to turn it around or these are the things you have done to turn it around. So for example, when I'm asked that question, I definitely bring up my, uh, my um, past experience, something that happened like 10 years ago, five years ago. I, I really don't make it so recent. I want to make it seem like I've outperformed that expectation or that weakness. So, um, for example, I, uh, I'm in human resources as, you, as well, but when I first entered into HR, I was so focused on like employees and making sure the employees were happy, but I really wasn't paying attention to the business objective of the company. I wasn't that middle personal liaison. So when it was time to like recognize employees, I wanted to spend thousands of dollars on it. Like I wanted to spend $15,000 on rewards and $15,000 on like events. And then I just really didn't have the financial acumen needed to be a well-rounded HR. That's what I would explain as my weakness. I didn't have that financial awareness and acumen as an HR professional, but this is what I did to improve that. I got with the controller, I got with the financial advisor, and they explained to me how these numbers affected the bottom line. And then I had to get with other HR professionals to see how they had budget-friendly recognition programs for employees. So I, I described all the things that I did to work on and then what was the results. So um, just based, hearing an answer of weaknesses that have no true resolution is what I, it just doesn't help. And then when it comes to the greatest, greatest strengths answer, I love using strengths that have to do with the job description. I don't mention anything that has nothing to do with the job. More importantly, when you're interviewing, you have to like study that job description, like you're studying for an exam. So if they need someone who um, has effective communication skills, great at content development, and needs someone who um, is adaptable, those are going to be my strengths that I mentioned during the interview. Like whatever that job description says will be my answer for my strengths. No, that was so helpful. I've never thought about doing that. I'm always like, okay, what is currently my biggest weakness? Go. Like that, but that's so much better because it shows that you're actually actively looking at the things that you need to improve on and making a change, not just going, I'm bad at this one thing. That sucks. That's what it is. I just won't ever be good at that. Good. I want everybody to be their best selves every single day, especially when it comes to this career thing. No, that's really good advice um before we start wrapping up i was hoping that you could kind of describe what your career and achievement tracker is i've seen this on your page and i think our listeners would be really interested yes so i um developed i mean it's it's not the first of its kind but you know once i created my professional agenda last year um you know i had a lot of clients come to me and i was just trying to ask them like what are some of the achievements we can put on your resume and they couldn't remember any of it they couldn't um, think of any, and I had to ask those thought-provoking questions yeah. to kind of get it out of them. They had to go back to their old bosses to get some more numbers um, and some metrics and data to put on their resume. They had to pull out their performance reviews, um, but they didn't have that all in one place. 
And I saw that was like a common thread amongst a lot of my clients is that they didn't have they didn't have an area where this, all, all this information can be. So um, I created um, the it's called My Career Chamber, which is like a digital wallet for your career. So as achievement happens, you can immediately go into your career chamber and add those achievements there. So I mentioned the star method. Mm-hmm. So that's how I have um, everyone or whoever purchases it put their achievements within the star method. Um, if there was a recognition or a shout out, immediately go to your chamber and put it in there. Everything you've done at any moment in your career. So for example, if you're at a networking event, you can review your career chamber really quickly so you can have yeah. some quality conversations with you know people that you might want to work with in the future. And it comes with the bonus, which is how to enter the hidden job market, 10 effective ways on how to into the job market and the career, the information in the career chamber can help you successfully do that. Oh, that's so helpful. And they can, people awesome. can just purchase that through like my professional agenda, like just go on your website. Yes, they can awesome. either go on my website or um, one of my favorite social media platforms for my professional agenda is Instagram. So if you go on Instagram, click the link in my bio, it's Amazing. right there for you. I think so. we'll definitely wrap yeah. up. I just, you said something there and I just really yeah. want to, even if you can touch on it for 30 seconds. Having that like performance review and having that meeting with your bosses or the people you work for, how do you ask for that raise? Like, how do you go about bringing that up and feeling like I have done this work, I deserve this? How do you ask? Because that can be, I feel like, a difficult thing to do. It is. It can be a difficult and scary thing to do because there is a possibility of rejection, and when you get rejected or um, they don't give you that promotion, then now you have to have an exit plan on how to leave that company because you know you deserve more. Um, So what I tell some of my clients is to make sure you do have that informational meeting. You set an appointment and let your manager know, um, let your manager know like, hey, I need about 15 minutes of your time. I want to have a conversation with you and make sure they put that in their calendar. And if you spend some time preparing a presentation and put some metrics with it, and then you go for the ask. Um, and the ask is, you know, I've done my research and I saw in the market, like, hey, this is how much this position pays. Um, so I am asking for an increase. And, you know, once the increase does come, this is what I will also add into the company as well. You come with more creative ideas for this promotion or uh, more creative ideas on why you deserve a raise and then show them like this is the market value for this position. Social media managers make 90000 in New York in this location of Brooklyn, and that's the research you've done. Um, and then you just ask, and it doesn't hurt to ask. It just shows that you see your value and that they should see it as well. No, I love that, that's that's super good advice. I've learned so much. I, like, honestly, like, this has been so helpful for me. Like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. You have so much knowledge, like, it's, it's insane. Can you, we're gonna do two wrap-up questions, but can you quickly plug, like, where people can find you, your information? Yeah, I'm a lot of places, um, so, for sure, my professional agenda on Instagram, that's a great place to find me. On LinkedIn, you can find me by my full name, Cassie Ademola. That's A-D-E-M-O-L-A. Um, and I'm located in Dallas, Texas. I think I'm the only person with that name, to be honest with you. So if you put that in there, I'm going to pop up. Um, you can go to my website, myprofessionalagenda.com. That's where all my services are. And um, if you're on Clubhouse... You can follow Career Queens on Clubhouse, myself and Tinu. We come on Clubhouse at least two or three times a week, giving more value information like this. We also connect with um, professional coaches as well. 
and we have conversations on development and really helping career queens like yourself thrive to the next level. So um, those are all the places you can find me for now until my next Amazing. venture. So. Oh, awesome. So we have two wrap up questions that we ask all of our guests. And the first one is what is a local business or because we're in different areas, you can do like a social media page that you would like to plug that you believe deserves some love and support and kind of shout them out. Well, um, I do have a friend here in Dallas. Her name is Monique. Um, and she does have an online jewelry business. It's called Bull X Monique, B-L-D-X and the name Monique. Um, so she is a jewelry line that's really faith-based. So I love her um, jewelry so much because I suck at picking jewelry. <laughs> you know, I'm a, I'm a Christian. So knowing that I have God on my side, she has like all this jewelry that has those aspirations that are faith-based. That's awesome. Definitely yeah. will check it out and tell the listeners to check it out as well. Cass, do you want to ask the other question? Yeah. Our last wrap-up question, speaking of motivation, what is your go-to boss chick anthem that you listen to for when you need to be a boss chick? A boss chick? Um, well, this song is not by a, a, a lady. It's by Kanye West, Power. Uh, (laughs) any negative thought that I've ever had, or if I wake up with one, I put that song on and it's a wrap. That just hypes me up. You just do it. Yeah. That'll be my boss chick song, Power by (laughs) Kanye, Sung by Cassie, just over Zoom. I love that. That was awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you. You're welcome. (laughs) Mind is blown. There's so much more. I could ask you about stuff and maybe we'll have to meet again because so many other questions. This is incredible though. Thank you so much. We really appreciate it. Wow. I really, (laughs) well, that's all I have to say. No, I'm, when she was talking mentally, I was just like going totally off the agenda off script and I was just like, okay, my resume, my past job experiences, my interview experiences, mm-hmm. like I was just, there were a couple cringe moments in there too. Where I was like, whoo, I need to fix my LinkedIn. I need to fix my resume. Yeah. Like, I did that in an interview one time. Like what? And I thought I nailed it. Maybe I didn't like. I know me too. And I just finished like redoing my resume and I was like, it is the best ever. And she, the first thing she said was like, yeah, that little symbol right there, not going to pass. So I have to completely redo my resume. <laughs> it's totally fine. It's going to be so good now, but like you need to listen to this episode yeah. and get that together you guys people pay for her services and her consulting and she just gave you like an hour of like so much knowledge and like free knowledge so free advice. grab it yeah, it's crazy that was amazing no so useful there's so many more questions i have for her in my head mm-hmm. now like we could have kept going we had to like consciously be like okay we need to be wreck like cognizant of time because we could just talk forever and ever and ever. We honestly could have done an episode on interviews, an episode on a resume, and an episode on like LinkedIn and careers. Yeah. You know what? Maybe if people like leave a review or like like down and subscribe, that'll let us know they want those different episodes. Yeah. Like maybe we can go off of that. Like maybe it's just again data data analysis you know and people message me all the time and they say that they love the pod Mm -hmm. and they're like this is amazing i know you guys it's shocking really but people message us and i'm like just leave a review so people actually believe us when we say people listen to our podcast i know like the best way to encourage others is to put your opinion out there like share on your instagram Mm. story when you're listening i would Every time you take the Boss Chick project in something, we repost. We, like, love the love, you mm-hmm. know? We are there for you. You were there for us. 
and leave a review you know like you should demonstrate your love that's exactly demonstrate your love out in the world world. happy healthy relationship with us and our boss chicks (laughs) (laughs) we love you we just want to know that you love us let us know what your love language is my love language is personally subscribing downloading and leaving a review Words of affirmation. On the Don't tell me you love me. Just subscribe to my podcast. But like send a screenshot. Yeah. 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 Give me yeah, proof. Yeah. <laughs> so All right. That is it for us this week. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening. The bosses are out. The office is now closed. And we'll see you in two weeks.